You heard you could save big when you bundle home and auto with Progressive, so you went online to check it out. But then you saw a link for a survey about which type of bread you are. And now you're on question 17, barely scratching the surface of your bread identity. You always thought of yourself as a brioche, but are you actually more of a pumpernickel? Ah, yes. They said it was easy to save money bundling with Progressive, but they forgot about the rest of the Internet. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. Episode of the Inside Line Formula One podcast. Wait a minute, this is a clear jump start. You are actually supposed to wait till Lucian's opening tune finishes, and that's when you start speaking with love. No, Kunal, you know this tune took longer to finish than usual. I'm telling you. Okay, now you t- sound like the Formula One drivers who actually complained about the start lights going out way too fast and way too early in France. Well, the truth is that they actually went off early and this was for all the support races as well because I did follow Formula 3 very, very closely. Of course you did because Indian racer Jehan Daruwala, he won his first F3 race and then he followed it up with a third place in the next race. Kunal, he's now second in the Drivers' Championship. You must be so excited. Absolutely. I mean, he put up two very stellar drives. And mind you, this was in front of the Formula 1 team bosses. So for all the Formula 1 team bosses that are actually tuning into our podcast, and we know that you guys do, uh, remember, Jayan Daruwala is actually not a junior driver for any team on the grid. So sign him up before your rivals do. And... That's uh, that's actually good for Jehan, right? <laughs> he's actually available. But he's also the only driver, by the way, to have scored back-to-back wins in the new Formula 3 series. So congratulations, Jehan. Congratulations are in order. Uh, guys, in this week's episode of the Inside Line Formula 1 podcast, as usual, we have so much to talk about. So we're going to tell you why Formula 1 owes an apology to Valtteri Bottas for their interview tactics at the French Grand Prix. We talk about the FIA's love for the five-second time penalty. We're wondering, will Nico Hulkenberg be in Formula 1 in 2020? And we look forward to the beautiful and picturesque Austrian Grand Prix. And in particular, we're going to talk about Alfa Romeo's choice of images for their pre-race press release. Ladies and gentlemen, remember to subscribe to the Inside Line F1 podcast for your weekly dose of Formula 1 humor and alternative news from the world of Formula 1. We are on iTunes, on Audio Boom, on Google Podcasts and every single audio streaming platform in the world. Right, so we are now going to look forward to Austria. But before that, I want to have a quick chat about looking back at France. Is there anything worth looking back to from the French Grand Prix? Well, on track, no, but off track, quite a fair bit. And this is actually the theme of the episode. And uh, I believe that Formula One owes Valtteri Bottas an apology. Paul de Rest after qualifying and Martin Brundle after the race actually had the gall to ask Valtteri Bottas how awesome and applaud-worthy Lewis Hamilton's drives were. And I'll be very honest, it is very, very, very unfair to get current racing car drivers and rivals of Lewis Hamilton to, you know, sing praises of Lewis Hamilton. Yeah, and Valtteri Bottas is Lewis Hamilton's biggest title rival, whether the standings show it or not. I could see that Bottas was so shocked when he was asked to praise Hamilton's pretty average Sunday drive. He is not unbeatable and that was a very subtle way of telling Martin Brundle to 
<laughs> okay, Kunal, five-second time penalty to you for not controlling your words. I should have seen that coming, but I mean, I had it bleeped, okay, so... Okay, five more <laughs> seconds for arguing with the steward, or in this case, stewardess. <laughs> well, are we really going to talk about the FIA's love for the five-second time penalty? No, we're not, but you know what? We can make fun of it, can't we? Uh, a Formula 3 driver actually had this uh, five-second penalty cancelled. This was at the French Grand Prix. You know, but it'll only be in 2020 when the five-second time penalty might actually be cancelled from Formula 1 altogether. The FIA have said that they can relook at this rule, but not in the mid-season. And I sort of understand that. And I wonder if in 2020, teams will ask Pirelli for 2019 or 2018 tyres. Because that's one request we see coming up time and time again. Yeah, you know, the subtle rumour is that teams are lobbying to bring back thicker tread tyres from 2018. And at least on the current grid from what we've you know been been hearing, Mercedes and McLaren seem to be the only teams that do not have this issue with the 2019 Pirelli tyres. So I don't know if we're going to keep hearing about this in the 13-odd races that remain. So in France, Lando Norris was barely a tenth away from Max Verstappen in qualifying. And Kunal, I think it would be awesome to see McLaren beating a Honda-powered Red Bull Racing if that can happen, ever. The Paul Ricard circuit is less of a challenge for the driver, said none other than Lance Stroll. <laughs> and I really think that Lance needs to, you know, rethink sort of his pre-race quotes. Because, I mean, I know what he meant when he said less of a challenge, but you guys know what I mean when we have Lance Stroll making such comments. Yeah, and Lance Stroll blamed a variety of factors for his Q1 exits. Some on the team, some on himself, but you know what, let's not dissect this further. But I would like to dissect another action of FIAs a little bit further. Uh, last year, you know, they made the sausage curbs very famous and they brought them into the news it seems that this year it's going to be about using bollards and that's what's been in the news. And the FIA have said that they will explore the use of bollards on a race-by-race -race basis. Along with the five-second time penalty, of <laughs> course. <laughs> well, by the way, the first time second uh, five-second time penalty for Daniel Ricciardo was a bit strange. But we've got to give it to the FIA. He absolutely deserved the second one. Uh, speaking of Ricardo, uh, Renault had a great show at home. But I honestly wish that uh, Ricardo, Kimi Raikkonen, Nico Hulkenberg and Lando Norris did not wait till the last lap of the race to spice things up. I get this feeling that Nico Hulkenberg's position at Renault, or for that matter, Formula One, could be under threat come literally 2020. And uh, there's already some smoke around this. So, you know, that's typical of the Formula 1 paddock to do that. Uh, Hulkenberg's contract expires at the end of 2019. I also think that uh, Ricardo has had the run on Hulkenberg in the last few races. So Hulkenberg really needs to pull himself together up there. Absolutely. Uh, Kunal, I know you have a soft corner for Hulkenberg. So you know what? Go ahead and send him that message and wish him all the very best from all of us. Because we all love him. Yes, I mean, I've had some of my best moments while working at Force India with the Nico Hulkenberg. He's such an awesome guy. You'd have probably heard him at least twice uh, on our podcast as well. And the problem Nico Hulkenberg is facing is actually Esteban Ocon. So Mercedes and Toto Wolff want him, when I say him as an Ocon, in a racing car next year. And Hulkenberg is out of a contract. And Mercedes, of course, don't mind loaning Esteban Ocon to any team that probably takes him. Yeah, well, so much for Ocon, hoping that a Mercedes drive will be waiting for him in 2020. <laughs> but I guess something's better than nothing. Yeah, I mean, I will sound biased and, you know, in favor of Nico Hulkenberg. But if... 
Uh, you know, I wonder if Renault should actually take on Ocon because Ocon's future is most definitely going to be with Mercedes. And that future could be, what, as early as 2021? But, you know, anyway, instead of money from Mercedes, Renault should just ask for Mercedes engines in return. <laughs> and they should just rebadge them because that's something that teams have done time and again for several decades to come. So no one knows. <laughs> this was our idea <laughs> first. But Mercedes now owns the record of 63 front row starts. They've beaten, um, they've beaten Ferrari, McLaren and Williams who are all at 62. Kunal, this is proof that Mercedes isn't the only team to have bought us. Oh yes, absolutely. It's a I- Formula One problem. Yes, I mean, eras of domination aren't new to Formula One. I mean, we've pretty much grown through the eras of Ferrari and then Red Bull and now Mercedes. And this is pretty standard. But let's hope they really fix it come 2021. And uh, I mean, at the same time, I don't see Mercedes's dominance going away anytime soon. Ross Brown said that Mercedes could wrap up their constructors title by Monza. That's awfully soon. Well, no, I disagree. I think it's going to be like Singapore or something. (laughs) Like it matters, but okay. (laughs) Well, it matters to the fact that nobody else or, you know, the the, the races that would be after when Mercedes win, uh, people won't really be interested because titles are being wrapped up early. And uh, if the titles are, of course, wrapped up early... Mercedes then have the opportunity to start work on the 2020 car much, much early just because they can. In fact, in that case, I think every team should just start working on the 2020 (laughs) car. Even, say, Williams, you know, because they really need to. Uh, I think 2019 is one of those seasons that no one is going to remember apart from Mercedes. Oh, yes. It seems like it's a season which is just made for Mercedes to create their own new records in the world of Formula 1. And, of course, maybe McLaren, given their upturn in form and probably Haas for their downturn in form. But It's like a Mercedes advertisement. A season-long Mercedes <laughs> advertisement. Well, uh, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure that Lewis Hamilton is going to cross 91 wins before he actually wins his seventh world title. So all of that beating Michael Schumacher's record is going to be underway. And guys, we're going to be lucky to be witnessing that. Let me be honest. And uh, Ross Braun has invited Hamilton to more Formula One meetings to help set up rules for 2021. And mind you, at the moment, even Hamilton isn't sure if things will change in 2021. Well, but here's one more statement of greatness from Lewis Hamilton. And when I say greatness, as in statements he makes to, you know, make Mercedes and himself sound much more greater than they probably are. Again, nothing against them. But anyway, the statement is that Lewis Hamilton said that the Mercedes car was a disaster in preseason testing. Okay. And I literally feel it's like rubbing uh, salt in Ferrari's wounds time and again. Because Ferrari were like flying in preseason testing. That honestly gets me thinking that if Mercedes is, you know, as untouchable and they just keep winning everything, should they still continue competing in Formula One? Like, what is their motivation? Well, honestly, I think they should and they will. Because uh, let's remember, Mercedes took a break from 1955 till 2010. Means... They were outside and absent from pretty much direct competition in Formula 1. And they are now trying to claw back and catch up on missing out the opportunity to literally rewrite the record books and be remembered as probably the one team that beat the most successful records of Michael Schumacher and Ferrari. And uh, this is great for brand Mercedes because can you imagine the great value it brings to them to be spoken of beating Ferrari every fortnight? And again, when I say Ferrari, I don't mean the the car manufacturer. I mean the Formula One team that's been so successful. 
and uh, since we are talking if mercedes should you know sort of stop competing yeah. i remember this you know from my days of sponsorship in formula 1 that if a top team pulled out of the sport it would require to spend nearly four times their formula 1 budgets to attract as much global media coverage and exposure lots of good points kunal and not to mention the rub off from brand lewis hamilton onto mercedes he makes the old car brand just seem so much newer and more refreshing Okay so we are going to resume Mercedes talks when you actually have your what will said this week section because it's been a while since you tracked Mr Wolf No it's actually the other way I have been tracking him very very uh, you know with a lot of commitment but he's barely said anything interesting of late but guys do not worry this week I have something good Right so I read this uh, funny fan comment after the French Grand Prix The comment was Pierre Gasly to Ferrari, Vettel back to Red Bull Racing. Max Verstappen and Vettel in the same team, it could be a relishing prospect. Not that this pairing will happen ever. Well, Christian Horner said that Sebastian Vettel isn't thriving in the pressure cooker environment at Ferrari and that he's lost his fun factor or whatever of that. Well, I'm just going to put the question back to Christian. I mean, because I really wonder what it's like for Pierre Gasly in that Red Bull racing team <laughs> maybe we can ask Daniel Ricardo to explain how that would feel anyway there's another junior driver we have to speak about antonio giovinazzi he's a driver who drives for alfa romeo yeah, alongside guys, kimi raikkonen in case you all forgot <laughs> anyway <laughs> sorry forget antonio his... <laughs> but just <laughs> kimi raikkonen's teammate guys <laughs> anyway forget his performance i wonder how he approved the austrian grand prix preview image that the team sent out so in this image and guys we're going to share it on our facebook page so you all must check it out uh the alfa romeo uh, press team has giovinazzi's face photoshopped on the lady who is dressed in this traditional austrian outfit you mean the outfit that red bull racing thought was exclusive only for them yeah <laughs> basically exactly that i cannot understand how giovinazzi and his management actually permitted the use of such strange imagery well i'm pretty sure that uh, alfa romeo didn't have the guts to put kimi raikkonen's photo on a lady's dress <laughs> no way that would have had you pissed for sure yeah yeah but it so turns out that antonio giovinazzi isn't the only one hoping for a ferrari seat in the near future it turns out that the current alfa romeo team boss frederick vassour he said that he could be open at a role at ferrari at some point basically ferrari have had so many team principals that literally everyone is making themselves now available <laughs> guys we're here too ferrari <laughs> yeah we 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 actually still mind being the official ferrari formula 1 podcast no we love being independent and neutral mm-hmm. and and all of that but uh, you know frederick vassiwas uh, acknowledgement that he could be open to a role at ferrari it's one such public instance so probably the first such public instance and i think it's pretty gutsy yeah it's also pretty gutsy of george russell to say that his williams will take what 5 to 6 races to get out of its slump paddy leaves williams at their lowest point lowest point yeah <laughs> i think all of us have read that on the facebook page you can be funny and punny at times kunal thank you <laughs> i'll Th- give you that thanks for the compliment that's my my point scored for this week's episode <laughs> at least But uh, there's another battle of words going on between Max Verstappen on one side and Roman Grosjean and Lewis Hamilton on the other side. Uh, that's a rare pairing, Grosjean with Hamilton. Yeah, Grosjean would be so excited to be Hamilton's teammate <laughs> somewhere. So Hamilton and Grosjean have spoken about how easy it is to race the current Formula One cars. Lewis Hamilton said that he could drive three race distances without feeling tired. And Grosjean said that he finds karting more exhausting than driving a Formula One car. Now Max Verstappen who has only just raced in the hybrid turbo era 
feels that both Hamilton and Grosjean are wrong at and that racing a Formula One car is still tough business. I think I'm actually going to go with what Hamilton and Grosjean say because they've raced in different eras and I think they have more comparative experience. Well, I would agree with that, which then leads me to say that it's now time for you to present your What Wolf Said This Week section. Awesome, I'm so excited. Toto Wolf said that Valtteri Bottas is still in the title fight. Well, the minute I think of Valtteri Bottas, I still feel sorry for him. And I'm going to go back to what we started the episode with. Formula One can worship Lewis Hamilton all they want, because I'm sure that's what the polls say, that Lewis Hamilton is the most popular star and it's important to build his persona to keep the fans. Kunal, we get you. You just need to put this topic aside for a bit. Yeah, but please do not involve Lewis Hamilton's rivals (laughs) in this hero worship. Yes, and back to my point. Formula One needs Bottas to be a title rival till the very end of the season. That's the whole point. Yes, we spoke of by when Mercedes will clinch the Constructors' Championship. We can also discuss when Lewis Hamilton will win his sixth world title by which race and uh, honestly I don't have an answer yet but it could be pretty much just after uh, Singapore and I really hope it's not Mexico because he's won there twice already (laughs) it's like the one race which is probably going away and Lewis Hamilton goes and keeps winning his title out there (laughs) but uh, if you guys have an answer or if you guys think when he's going to win his sixth championship by reach out to us via Facebook Toto Wolf also said that cooling issues worry Mercedes ahead of Austria. Uh, you guys will remember that Mercedes had a double DNF there last year. Right, and even before the Friday of the Austrian Grand Prix, we know what the podium is going to look like on Sunday. No prizes for guessing which <laughs> team is going to finish 1-2. But uh, I'm told that Ferrari are going to sacrifice some top speed to gain downforce. So you mean Mercedes' only reason to fear Ferrari will be no more. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I wish Toto Wolf actually comes out one race and says, we are aiming for yet another one to finish and we are going to absolutely demolish our rivals. Uh, Hamilton has said that he clearly wouldn't want Toto Wolf to run Formula One. He would prefer someone more neutral. Well, so much for having Jean Todd, uh, you know, in that very role right now. Not that I'm saying that, uh, that there are any biases, but, you know, that's how, it's, uh, that's how it goes sometimes. And... Uh, Lewis Hamilton said that Formula One should decide the rules and not the team. So just for making such statements and sounding so neutral, I think we should put Lewis Hamilton to run Formula One because (laughs) right now, whatever he touches is turning gold and Formula One definitely needs that Midas touch. (laughs) And after that, Lewis Hamilton for president. (laughs) But on that note, guys, here's Lucien with his Moments in Time section ahead of the 2019 Austrian Grand Prix. Welcome to Moments in Time on the Inside Line with Lucien Barfield. There was a time the Austrian Grand Prix was one of those tracks to fear, with the famous rint curve producing incredible g-forces and high speeds, a true man's track. The Austrian Grand Prix started in the 60s with a non-championship race in an airfield, and it was from 1970 onwards that the race was held at the Osterreichring in Zeltweg. The race left the calendar after 1987 to return again in 1997 as the A1 ring, but a heavily cropped and safer version of its former self. Sadly, after only seven years, it was gone again, and the track lay in a sorry state of disrepair for years. That is, until Red Bull bought it to become part of the championship again in 2014. The track, almost in a bowl, amongst the picturesque Styrian mountains, is visually stunning and has long been my favourite Formula One circuit. 
What caught my attention in the 97 race was a certain camera angle introduced just before the Remus corner, giving the TV viewer a sense of the speed and elevation that the cars have to negotiate, as it was taken from a low down angle, following the cars right up to the right hand turn. Local fauna has played its part over the years, from the 87 crash that Stefan Johansson had colliding with a deer when driving for McLaren in a practice session. Lucky to be alive, not the deer, Stefan was a little beat up, but he still raced on the Sunday. Oh dear, look up Juan Montoya's oh dear comment when he was warned in 2001 about a deer being on the circuit. A play of words led to radio communications explaining to Juan exactly what type of an animal a deer was, a horse with horns. Austria has given us a few notable first-time winners, Elio De Angelis in a corker of a finish edging out Keke Rosberg, to Aussie Alan Jones, where the national anthem could not be found, so they played happy birthday for him instead of the Australian national anthem. John Waddy Watson was to win in 76, and in doing so, had to honour a promise he made that he would shave off the beard he was so well known for. Austria has seen some controversy over the years, notably the 2001 and 2002 race-fixing episodes where Ferrari were to ask Rubens Barrichello to move over late in both races to help Michael Schumacher in the championship. A classic no-brainer move happened in 1999 when David Coulthard took out Mika Hakkinen, his own teammate, in a clumsy half-hearted attempt at taking and not taking the lead at the start of the race. Takuma Sato in the Jordan was completely torpedoed by an out-of-control Nick Heidfeld in 2002. A similar accident happened in 97 with Irvine and Alacy, with the Benetton leaping high after banging wheels with the Ferrari. There are many more, but the start line pile-up involving Michael Schumacher in 2000 was incredible, especially considering how Shuey made sure his injured car got going again, limping to the centre of the track, then stalling. <coughs> yeah, we all knew what he was doing. Now every driver wants to win their home race. Gerhard Berger was never to get the results he deserved. Posthumous world champ Jochen Rindt had a couple of tries, but Niki Lauda did manage to win in 1984. Vittorio Brambilla or the Monza Gorilla as he was affectionately known. It was 1975 and the bullish Italian driver, known for his machismo and wet weather driving skills, was to notch up his one and only career win for March. But in doing so, he spun and crashed over the finish line, further enhancing his aggressive yet accident-prone reputation. And this win would make him famous or infamous. Well, that's it for Moments in Time on the Inside Line. I'm Lucien Byfield. Bye for now. Thank you so much, Lucien. I don't think uh, any Formula 1 fan would forget the 2002 Austrian Grand Prix. Much as I won't forget Nico, Losberg. Nico Rosberg's last lap mistake in 2016. My God, Kunal, I've already forgotten him. Well, you know, it's like your last minute uh, <laughs> error on the podcast. <laughs> anyway, what are your predictions for Austria? Well, Stroll is going to be out of Q1 yet again, and he's probably going to repeat his list of excuses. Oh, really? I couldn't have guessed that. What are your predictions? You know what? I think we should use our airtime better. No more predictions for 2019. That's it. (laughs) I'm calling it. I agree. And on that note, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning in. We will see you next week. Although we are going to be a little, you know, a couple of days later than usual because we are on our way to Mumbai. And at the British Grand Prix, we are going to be interacting with a lot of fans in Mumbai. So when you tune back in next week, we will hopefully have more information. And if you're listening to us from Mumbai and would like to meet us, we will tell you where you can find us. On that note, bye-bye. If you look around, you'll see the world can be pretty smart. 
Okay, very smart. At Capella University, we think education should be smart too. That's why we're reshaping online learning with our FlexPath format. You can set your own deadlines, take classes at your own pace, even leverage your previous experience to move faster. So when it comes to earning your bachelor's degree, you know what kind of choice to make. A smart one. Visit capella.edu to learn more. Capella University. Don't just learn, learn smarter.